right, so we are now live. Okay, cool. Um, so I just want to say thank you, Kalia Santella, for sitting with us today um, for what is actually the inaugural episode of this podcast, Sunrise Set. So I can't think of anything more appropriate after awesome. we just wrapped up. Yeah, so um, can you tell us a little bit about the set you just played and your experience with Enchanted Forest, your history here? Oh, for sure. Um, well, the set was... Uh, yeah, catered to the sunrise. So I, I started off su- with stuff that's a little bit uh, heavier and more deeper and mystical and then um, ed- edged the energy upwards and to a sort of celebratory peak in the middle and then brought the energy back down to something really chill and mellow to uh, send everyone off on their way into their day feeling, you know, cosy and glowy and warm. <laughs> Perfect. Do you, uh, when you play sets like this, do you have it pretty planned out already or do you feed off the vibe? Uh, it's a, it's a 50-50. I, I have a, a overall plan of how I want the set to go, but then I definitely cater it to the vibe on the fly because I have so much to pull from, so many different songs. Um, so, yeah, I, I like to mix it up between the structure and then the free form. Nice. Yeah. Um, and at an event like this, so I heard you speaking earlier about how when you're um, when you're performing, you're looking at your setup or the trees, right? Um, how do you pick up on the energy um, if you're bouncing between those two muses? Uh, yeah, the 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 empathy that you feel for the crowd when you're there is something that you can feel with your eyes closed. It's interesting, like I, I started off um, DJing on vinyl back in Sydney at like little house parties. And even in an intimate room, it was like training um, to feel the empathy and the energy of a dance floor shift and change depending on the music. And if you drop a, a track that people aren't feeling, you've got to be aware that all of a sudden the energy changes, maybe people start getting distracted, going for their drinks or smokes or, you know, having a chat. And it's, it's, you can kind of just feel that in the field. Um, it's really wild and it doesn't matter if it's a, a tiny little dance floor or 30,000 people, there's, uh, this, the energy almost feels exactly the same, um, yeah, between having them right there and then having them drop out and sort of get a little bit sort of distracted. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, so I've seen you perform at night also, and the vibe is really different. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a sort of setting or time that you feel most at home, whether it's indoors or outdoors, morning, night? Oh, you know, I, I love it all. Um, I definitely love outdoor more than indoor. I almost solely write my music for nature, to be in nature, to have that tribal experience of, you know, bare feet, if you will, on the earth um, and under the trees and the, the stars or the sun. And as far as day and night goes, I it's almost like I write music for both. And some of the songs, a lot of the songs I make actually work really well in the nighttime and the daytime. And if you play, um, like the, one of, the second last song I played today, it's a new song and it's, it, I played it for the first time at night last weekend in Maine and it was amazing. It was so deep and, and kind of gnarly and heavy and it, that energy came through in the night. But then when I played it here in the day, 
the melody of it came through a lot more prominent. So it's really cool to, to sort of have music that works for both realms. I yeah. get that. I hear that happening. Yeah. Um, there's also something really spiritual, I think, about your music. Would you mind talking about your sort of spiritual influences? Yeah, yes. You know, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big subject, that one. Um, when I first started to create the music, I, I did so from a place of, well, when I started to really focus on the music as my dharma, as my, my earth mission or what I came here to do, um, the spirituality came just in the form of a simple intention of awakening, healing and inspiring others. And I'd experienced a, an artist in Australia that prompted me to feel that within myself, it, his music inspired me. It awakened something in my soul that wasn't there before, and um, or was asleep. And it uh, there was a healing in the sense that when I'd leave the dance floor after his sets, I'd feel like I'd let go of a lot of baggage. You know, like I'd moved through a lot of density and a lot of stuff. So his music became the first um, sort of medicinal music for me. So uh, inspired by that individual whose artist name is Tetrameth, I, uh, yeah, that was my simple intention. And I sat down and I just kind of said it out loud in the studio by myself before I started to go deep into this music after I'd set my studio up back in 2007. And I just said, I intend for this music to awaken, heal, and inspire. So that intention creates a container, which is like the energetic imprint that then comes forth on all the music. And then as far as mystical themes, um, it's been a combination of meeting people, uh, storytellers, um, you know, healers and, and people who teach uh, mystical arts and and mysticism and, and then reading a lot of books and all these things have informed me a lot as well as spending a lot of time in nature. I would say that spending time in nature is like my main, if, you know, if I had a religion, it would be nature, you know. I mean, people would say that's pagan or whatever, but I don't know. It's just like this, this communing with the intelligence of, of the biology of this planet. I feel like that is something more magnificent than, than anything. You know, it's, I love it. I love it so much. So, yeah, the spirituality is, is the nature and then all these mystical themes that I picked up along the way. So you have some spectacular nature in Australia. Um, oh, yeah. What is it that you're doing when you get outdoors? Uh, it can be a combination of things. When I was younger, I used to definitely like to uh, uh, eat certain mushrooms and then go outdoors, um, go for walks for hours in, in nature. And yeah, I still love getting out hiking. I love fresh water, like really cold fresh water and jumping in that. Um, I love, it, it's interesting where I grew up is very wet. So I really resonate with mountains and moss and yeah, waterfalls and that sort of stuff, similar to here. Um, and then when I go to visit places like the desert, I, it's, it's interesting. It doesn't speak to me in the same way, so I have to listen a, a lot more intently. We're actually going on a journey towards Colorado after this festival, so we're going to drive through Utah 
and go and see some of the desert there. It's fantastic. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think you might have some real awakenings there. Awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talk a lot in this community, I think, about transformation, and we throw the word transformative around a lot, right? Um, yeah. And that's something that I think is palpable when you see the audience at your shows, right, um, during your set. But it's still a contentious term, right? Mm. And I think it's, it's a little bit loaded to try to have a gathering of 10,000 people, 20,000 people, yeah. and expect and hope for transformation. Yeah. But I think it's a great goal. Yeah. How do you feel about this idea of transformation? Yeah, well, you know, transformation can be uh, a young kid coming to a festival with his mates, uh, all excited to see all the music and everything, and then doing a bunch of booze and a bunch of drugs and then going home on Sunday or Monday feeling absolutely horrible. That's a transformation from excitement to feeling hungover. And I, it's a transformation I definitely went through a lot of times earlier on. But, of course, the, the transformation that we hope or, or know is here is that transformation into the positive, the transformation that um, can happen when you meet uh, amazing people that inspire you or you see art or witness things that you just don't experience outside of festivals and it inspires you, it just gives you like this youthful joy to witness that. Or you go to workshops um, and yeah, while I, I haven't done much workshop stuff, when I do go pick a workshop to go to at a festival, I, I, I love that, like that knowledge, you know, that wisdom. I saw Paul Stamets at a festival uh, two weeks ago and that was the best, one of the most inspiring talks I've ever heard. And for me, that's a transformation to go to that festival, which was a pretty big and commercial festival. LIB? Yeah, exactly, LIB. And I was a little bit like, oh, I don't know about LIB because I haven't been there in years and it got really big and I actually was quite surprised. Um, the, the production and the vibe was amazing. And, uh, yeah, for me that was a transformation because I, was, I had my doubts going in and when I left I, I felt really awesome about it, really positive about it. And I got to witness Paul Stamets and some great music. So, yeah, it's interesting, you know, that the, the medicine of transformation in the animal world is the serpent. So, um, yeah, I, I really feel that if we are to really, you know, throw around terms, we should actually look at, you know, what uh, different schools of thought or different religious or mystical um, perspectives are on a certain energetic. So, yeah, if, if we want to embody transformation, then we have to be prepared to shed our skin, you know. So that's, that's part of it, I feel. And, uh, yeah, all we can do is just continue to come together as a tribe and share ideas and refine what we're doing. I, I love to see the, the sharing of ideas globally, um, and the more that I travel, the more I see that happening. Because, yeah, if we're tr competing one tribe to another within the same country, it's kind of working against the transformation, you know? As soon as we, yeah, put ego and, and money at the forefront, then we lose any possibility of it being something that spirals out into, you know, this infinite evolution that we all come here for. Yeah. Do you think that 
the festival scene as we know it um, is still on the rise and building, or do you feel do you feel it's like yeah. it's a sustainable cultural model? Well, if we take a little peek into Europe at the trans psychedelic trance festivals, Goa has been happening since you know the I think even the late '80s, early '90s, and so. There are festivals in Europe that have been going for decades and, and some some even over two decades. But the scene there is, yeah, as old as the music is, which is probably like getting on to 30 years now almost. So, and, and that scene's gone through, you know, births and, and deaths and you know, rediscovering itself and even now because of the way that music and trends move through the festival culture in Europe, it's, it's even going through a, a rebirthing in a, in a way now. It's, it's interesting to look at that because over here, yeah, we, we, in the US, we're like, oh, yeah, festivals, this is this amazing thing, but there's actually, you know, they've been happening a long time. And so, yeah, I feel that this, the festival scene here is... It's changing. It's always going to change. And it feels like the last um, few years has been going through a reimagining of itself. Some festivals are shooting for more commercial and a bigger reach. And as a result, some of those festivals are falling down in their quality and uh, their original energetic of what they intended to achieve but then we learned from that and smaller new ones spring up and, you know, they create that energy that we're all looking for again and then the magic happens, you know, once again. So, yeah, I always love to look at festivals like uh, Earth Frequency in Australia that has been going for over a decade now and that festival is just so beautiful. It's curated with such precision. The guy who runs it is just so good at holding an energetic container and then everyone comes together in that container and works together as one unit to create this experience and it's phenomenal I love it and another one worthy of mention is Connection Camp Out in North Carolina just near Asheville and it's it's in its infancy but that crew who put it on you can just feel the love and you go there to the to the land where it's at and it's just celebration and joy Absolute the whole time. There's, it's yeah. I, I've been amazed by going to that festival. Nice. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. Nice. Um, can you tell me really quick about your stage name, Kalia Sintilla? Kalia Sintilla. So um, the word Kalia comes from Romanian Gypsy, <clears throat> and it means uh, tomorrow as yesterday. So it's like a word for other time. Um, and scintilla comes from the word scintillate, uh, which is a spark or a flash. Uh, it's like in this little flash in time. So it's like tomorrow as yesterday, like a spark. That's beautiful. Yeah, or like nice. a flash. Yeah. Nice. Sounds like almost like an epiphany too, maybe. Yeah. That's, that's it, was, it was a funny little um, thing. It, it, actually, driving down a highway from... South of Sydney uh, in Australia is where that name came out. It was a combination of having Kalia and then looking for a word that would flow with the the energy of Kalia. And my partner at the time, she was on a thesaurus on her phone online, you know, looking at different words and we're like, Stardust, 
cosmic scintillate. What's that? Scintilla. Kalia scintilla. Okay, write that down. And we wrote down a few and went through them and it was Kalia scintilla. It just had that flow to it. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. I like it. Um, good. So there's a question that I ask everybody in yeah. every interview. Um, well, actually, every man. Um, so I don't need to tell you this is a really male-dominated field, electronic music, right? Mm. Um, so who are your sisters in the journey? Who are your collaborators, muses, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. So, well, of course, a number one would be my wife and uh, and true love and, and muse and, in you know, She's she's everything in terms of the yeah the the art and everything we do together is just so magnificent and she really pushes me to to go deeper to dig deeper because before Eve came along it was a lot of um, just jamming and having some some cool concepts and ideas and intentions but then Eve as a storyteller and someone who's versed deeply in mythology she came in and was like well. How about some story in there? So yeah, definitely. Um, and then other, we've got some other performers that Eve has been training and working with, and a few of them I've known for many years now. And so they're coming to the stage to birth characters on stage that are part of the story that we're telling. And so those incredible women are just you know to have them around is is so inspiring too. And it is. It's a very male-dominated scene, so it's. Um, it's. I, I really love to see when women can come on stage and be their sole signature. To not try and be a go-go dancer thing that people just look at, but to come up and speak from their soul and be a character or be a, you know become something and and shine that light through because yeah if we if we continually have this male dominated thing it's the energy is an imbalance you know we need the feminine it's the the womb and and the nature and the wholesomeness and the nourishment i i I love that you know the guys we just love the tech and the bigger is better and it's like that's part of it but then the female brings the squish you know, the, the cozy part. So when we fuse the two together, we can create not just a big fancy stage with an incredible Function One sound system, but we can have art and chill out spaces and, you know, tapestries and color and all sorts of cool things. So, yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm definitely rooting for uh, more feminine energy in the scene. And uh, it's just, I guess it's a mirror of what we're dealing with uh, on the on a planetary level because of the patriarch and how the patriarch has been the, the dominating uh, energy for, for so long now. And it's not that it's a bad thing, it's just part of the story. <clears throat> but yeah, the, the necessity for balance and reconnection to the mother is, is very apparent, you know, just out there in the world and in here in the festival scene. So, yeah. yeah. So besides Eve, are there specific artists that you would recommend that our listeners check out? I definitely love um, Living Light. Yeah, I love her music. And I've heard some of uh, Hannah's stuff and I really like it. And someone was just playing Closey for me the other day and I was, yeah, really, really digging that. And then a buddy of mine up in Grass Valley, he played a, a song by a woman called Megan... 
Hamilton, that's right, Megan Hamilton. And there was a few of her songs that I really love too. So it's cool to finally um, see a lot of more feminine producers come through. Uh, and of, of course it's challenging because the, the programs are very masculine oriented in the way, you know, they're very left brain and uh, they're not the most intuitive things to work with, but it's, it's awesome to have that energy coming through now. That's nice. Definitely. That's great. Um, so just to send us out, is there a track that you think would be a good one to go out on? Oh, that's song. Let's see. Oh, well, yeah, I just did this uh, remix for Papadozio, which uh, I started my set with this morning. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it was inspired, of course, by the, the music of jam bands. And it was a one that I really wanted to infuse the psychedelic journey jam band vibe over the Carly uh, Santilla electronic beats. So... We'll, we'll leave it on that. Perfect. And what's that track called? It's called, um, oh, you know, I've forgotten the name. Oh, yeah, Euclidean Lights. Perfect. Yeah, Carly Centilla remix. Perfect. Thank you so much for sitting down with Sunrise Set. Totally. Thank you.